She crawled closer and felt a hand, a hand that was cool, but not cold. Hello? She said. Can you hear me? Can you speak? She got up alongside the figure, a smallish person dressed entirely in motorcycle leathers, wearing a helmet. She reached up to the neck to feel for a pulse. Where the neck was supposed to be, there was a space. It took her a moment to process what she was feeling, and in desperation, she kept reaching around the edge of the helmet to get to the neck, trying to get a sense of the size of this wound. It went on and on, until Claire realized that the head was barely attached at all, and that the puddle she was kneeling in was almost certainly not rainwater. The eyes saw it all. The Return Then shall the slayer return, and come unto his own city, and unto his own house, unto the city whence he fled. Joshua, chapter 20, verse 6. Chapter 1 If you live around New Orleans, and they think a hurricane might be coming, all hell breaks loose. Not among the residents, really, but on the news, The news wants us to worry desperately about hurricanes. In my town, Beneville, Louisiana, population 1700, hurricane preparations generally include buying more beer and ice to keep that beer cold when the power goes out. We do have a neighbor with a two-man rowboat lashed on top of the porch roof, all ready to go if the water rises. But that's Billy Mac and he started his own religion in the garage, so he's got a lot more going on than just an extreme concern for personal safety. Anyway, Beneville is an unstable place, built on a swamp. Everyone who lives there accepts that it was a terrible place to build a town, but since it's there, we just go on living in it. Every 50 years or so, Everything but the old hotel gets wrecked by a flood or a hurricane, and the same bunch of lunatics comes back and builds new stuff. Many generations of the DeVoe family have lived in beautiful downtown Beneville, largely because there is no other part to live in. I love where I'm from, don't get me wrong, but it's the kind of town that makes you a little crazy if you never leave, even for a little while. My parents were the only ones in the family to leave to go to college, and then law school. They became law professors at Tulane, in New Orleans. They had long since decided that it would be good for all three of us to spend a little time living outside of Louisiana. Four years ago, right before I started high school, they applied to do a year's sabbatical, teaching American law at the University of Bristol in England. We made an agreement that I could take part in the decision about where I would spend that sabbatical year. It would be my senior year. I said I wanted to go to school in London. Bristol and London are really far apart, by English standards. Bristol is in the middle of the country and far to the west, and London is way down south. But really far apart in England is only a few hours on the train. And London is London. So I had decided on a school called Wexford, located in the east end of London. The three of us were all going to fly over together and spend a few days in London, then I would go to school, and my parents would go to Bristol, and I would travel back and forth every few weeks. But then there was a hurricane warning, and everyone freaked out, and the airlines wiped the schedule. The hurricane teased everyone and rolled around the gulf 
before turning into a rainstorm, but by that point, our flight had been cancelled and everything was a mess for a few days. Eventually, the airline managed to find one empty seat on a flight to New York and another empty seat on a flight to London from there. Since I was scheduled to be at Wexford before my parents needed to be in Bristol, I got the seat and went by myself. Which was fine, actually. It was a long trip, three hours to New York, two hours wandering the airport before taking a six-hour flight to London overnight. But I still liked it. I was awake all night on the flight, watching English television and listening to all the English accents on the plane. I made my way through the duty-free area right after customs, where they tried to get you to buy a few last-minute gallons of perfume and crates of cigarettes. There was a man waiting for me just beyond the doors. He had completely white hair and wore a polo shirt with the name Wexford stitched on the breast.